0: everybody and welcome to the ninth episode of the Conversation of Our Generations podcast. My name is Nick Jamel and I'll be talking today about some really cool stuff. Um, we'll be talking about, I just finished Mark Levin's book, Americanism or Rediscovering Americanism, and we're going to talk about some of the ideas in there. Um, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, grit. We're going to talk about really alternative solutions uh, to these problems that we have in our uh, country today and how technology is really, I think, going to be the driving factor behind them. And I'm also going to tell you guys how you can support me as well through that. And um, together we can maybe work to um, fix some of the issues of censorship that we have today. But before I uh, get too far into it, I want to just tell you guys how how you can find me out there. I got my blog, conversationofourgeneration.com. You can find me on uh twitter at con of our facebook.com slash conversation of our generation I'm on minds um it's conversation of our generation with underscores in between and on steam it at jamel um you can find me on all those places i've been getting better at posting on minds um steam it is still a pain in the butt to log into as soon as they make it to where it remembers my key phrase to get in i will gladly post there more often but For now, every time I have to copy and paste in a, you know, 100-character key, Um, not very conducive to doing it all the time. Um, So, but I, uh, you can find me on all those channels, and with that, let's just get started talking about it. Um, so, the book, Rediscovering Americanism, basically focuses on how, in the beginning, our, you know, the American ideals were to find the ways as much as possible to restrict the government and maximize the liberty and, you know, individualism or maximize the liberty an individual has and, in, you know, in, in belief, and they had a strong belief in individualism and all the other institutions that support that, which, you know, are limited government, um, you know, free markets and and really basically understanding that a government is meant to preserve the individual, right? To allow for the individual to succeed or fail on their own. And they are simply there to ensure that there's no barriers, um, artificial barriers, there's no, you know, uh, threats to your liberty coming from the powerful, uh, there's no um, threats to your safety. And if you are injured in any way, then, you know, the government's there to facilitate your uh, recourse without basically vengeance and and that's what it was about and really pretty much immediately there were threats to this idea because um, Because Really it's something that threatens power structures across the world That's why every tyrannical government has to call itself a democratic republic or republic or something like the ussr uh, the democratic uh, People's republic of korea Right the congo right now. I think it has democratic somewhere in there like those aren't, you know, it's always the democratic, the people, something or other to hide these despotic regimes, what they're really doing, you know. And I think that the fact that you have to incorporate that into, you know, into your nomenclature to be such a despot uh, or to be just, you know, to be able to sustain that kind of thing because you kind of w- work under the guise of that, that you are for the people. I think that shows the power of what the constitutional republic, the democratic republic that we have, uh, it shows how threatening that is to power, that the powerful have to incorporate that. Um, and these ideas though, were not really new. They were just expressed in, you know, in America in a brand new way that no country had ever seen before. And that's because main, the main reason is because we have a written constitution. We have a bunch of unwritten parts of our constitution as well. There's norms and beliefs and values and philosophies that the American ascribes. to I mean, like the American dream isn't written into our constitution anywhere, but we all know that there is this sense of the American dream where you can make whatever you want out of yourself, but that's because of the uh, written individual rights. You know, that's kind of the you know, there's a bit of a mythology that comes out of your nation that is part of the constitution. That's part of the values and the ideas that everyone adheres to and understands as part of the nation. So it is part of the constitution. Um, But that written constitution that restricts the government and puts limits on it in very specific ways that says these are the limits of the government, bar none, that was really never done in that way before. And since then, it's been copied a lot. The written constitution has um when setting up countries ever since then but like britain for instance they have a lot of traditions and a lot of things that over the last you know thousand plus years have um influenced their government and have become part of the constitution of their country but they don't really have you know the constitution of the united kingdom or of england or any you know they don't have that the way we do we they don't have a document sitting in under you know in a museum in their capital that says this is our constitution and i think that that's such a powerful thing that it's it's so obvious that it's for the individual and for the preservation of liberty because it is outlined and given to us and shown to us and we know what it says i mean you know they it's all over the place we understand exactly what our country was set up and founded what it was founded to do and that was to find how to promote free markets and within its borders and outside of its borders with other countries as well and reduce the size and scope of government so that you can maximize the ability of the individual and the only time that you have government interference is when you need to ensure that the maximum is to ensure the maximum amount of liberty basically so that my liberty doesn't infringe upon your ability you know your liberty right the liberties that i take don't infringe upon yours you know so that's what the government's there to regulate that's it and and i think that that's a key thing um like one instance of what mark levin talks about in the book is the uh the commerce clause that you know they can regulate interstate commerce was not meant to be that they can basically, anything that's shipped through the mail, they can regulate tax, etc. That's not what it was. In fact, it was because under the Articles of the Confederation and before that even, you know, when the states were still, you know, colonies, um, they were tariffing each other heavily on their goods. And so actually, you know, the Commerce Clause was, you know, done in order to reduce uh, the amount of tariffs and, you know, facilitate freer trade among the states and outside of the states as well right they that's why only congress was allowed to pass them because they really wanted because they knew at the time because the states were so adversary or you know adversarial that you weren't going to get all 13 of the original states to agree on a tariff you know amongst themselves because well they knew that you know tariffing you know that that would just cause them to everything you know basically higher taxes for everybody then instead of taxing each other and they didn't want to you know put tariffs on you know things that would be bad for you know this state if they knew that a tariff was gonna be bad for them then you know and these states it would benefit then they'd have to duke it out but you know they would probably you know basically it would be a lot harder to do that because um they all have competing interests they all you know The South has cotton, the North has probably more timber and industry. So because they have different industries within each state, they really have different things that they would like to tariff and different industries that they would want to protect. And so you would harm one and help another and it would balance out. That's why only Congress could do it. And then you'd have to get everybody to agree to it. And it would be something that would be good for the entire nation at that point, theoretically. Although tariffs are never really good uh, for those free traders out there, but um, you know and that's what I believe. But that was a that was the point of it, and so to make it harder, to, it, it was our system was built to gridlock government, and that to me is the thing that we have lost the most, especially over the last hundred years with progressivism and the expansion of the fed of the executive branch with executive agencies and the, um, really cowardice of the legislative branch to cede all this legislative power to the executive and to the judicial branches. I mean, the, the Supreme Court is actually supposed to be the least powerful, uh, branch of government. They, I, I mean, it really is because the courts are not supposed to create law. They under, The founders actually understood, I think, how dangerous that was because, the they can't really impeach you if the president gets out of bounds they can impeach him if he gets too powerful if he does too much congress can easily not easily but they could impeach him and they were hoping that you know congress would be pretty much the most powerful branch because it has the legislative power it has the ability to declare war it has the ability to fund any of the initiatives right all they hold the purse you know so they have the money they have everything and So they were hoping that basically they would keep the president in check, but the president would be there to ensure that, you know, he could veto things that he thought, you know, were out of line that the Congress shouldn't be passing. You know, he could veto that bill. Um, And then if they felt it was incredibly necessary to have this bill and the president was just being a butthead, then they could, you know, go back with, uh, I think it was like two-thirds or like a supermajority, right, I think, and overrule a veto. I think there's a way to do that, but it's pretty tough to do. You'd have to really have you know a large a large majority to do that and it's rare in our country. And so and so the, that they kind of balance out each other, but the court really doesn't have much of a check and balance. Like they you know, they kind of approve the president and the uh Congress approve them together, but they really once the judges are seated, it's really tough to get rid of them. And and I'm sure there's I I can't think of instances off the top of my head, but you know, they're really there to just rule on cases and say, here's what the law says, here's, you know, what it meant when it was written, here's what this situation is, and apply it. And, and I think that, um, like, listening to Justice Gorsuch when his uh, um, hearing was to be approved, it, it was really interesting to hear how he says, basically, you know, the judge is supposed to just work in the world of analogies. It's not a living document. You know, the Constitution is Okay, this applied to file cabinet, you know, the illegal searches or unwarranted searches, se- warrantless search and seizures applied to, you know, file cabinets and houses and all that stuff and your closet. Well, now in the 21st century, you know, my papers are digital. So it applies to that too. It's, you know, a law that is written about an intersection for horses and horse-drawn, carry, horse-drawn carriages is applicable to cars in a way, you know, by analogy, right? Something that was, you know, applicable to the telegraph could be applicable to texting, you know, you know, so you can use that, you know, you can apply that, but you have to ensure that, you know, the analogy works, that it it follows. And you also don't get to say, well, you know, this, uh, this thing, this idea is, you know, not quite the same, and so I'm going to tweak it, and here's what I believe is correct and just. No, you have to, you know, that's not what the courts are supposed to do. They're supposed to just follow the law, apply the law, they're supposed to apply it, not interpret. That's something that I think we mistake when we say that they're not, they're not there to interpret the law. They're there to apply the law as it is written, and I think that's one of the things, the executive branch and the judicial branch interpreting laws and you know, what, even like since Woodrow Wilson is, you know, and, you know, the early progressives started calling it the, you know, a living document because it was really just, uh, a tool to be used to create the perfect society. The constitution is supposed to be changing with whatever really the fad is, is what they thought. And I think that that's really tough to, uh, defend when, there's such a beauty in the way that our system works to check power because what happens is, is when we start messing with this system, you turn basically and you devolve our system of government that was a balance between oligarchic and democratic, democratic rule into, which is good, right? It was really, you know, an aristocracy was elected to basically be the, be the, uh, the representatives of of an educated citizenry which is the democracy you know the the people and you know and so they had kind of the people who were most apt to do that to go out and represent the interest because they were basically not getting paid you know the early congress and those guys did not really get paid much and they were just there to ensure that the affairs of the country were going well and they all you know kind of went away for a couple months and they lived and did their job the rest of the year and and that's really what it Should be is something along those lines if it's gonna if we're gonna have this system and uh, Somewhere along the way, you know, we started the rich realized that they could basically maintain their power push out competition and stifle competition by you know using the by mobilizing the people and kind of into almost a wave into you know by using the democracy and majority rules to squash the minority because what happens is, is when you have a good idea, like, you know, what our country, you know, was founded on, on liberty and individualism and free markets, those ideas were, and really still are in the minority of opinion, but they obviously, obviously work the best for the most people. There's no way to that we've found yet to provide more, uh, quality of life for more people than through free markets. And the freer the market and the freer the people, the better the poorest among them live every single time that's happened across the world. I mean, that's why, I mean, capitalism is the reason why, you know, like 75% I think of, it's a crazy number since like the, in the last 25 or 30 years, it's in Steven Pinker's book. I haven't read it, but I've been hearing people quoting the statistics out of it. And it's like, an insane like like 70 something percent of world's like extreme poverty has been eradicated in the last like 20 or 30 years and that's an insane statistic but it's because of freer markets and when you know and when somewhere like america you know becomes more capital intensive and you have to have more computers to do the work and it's you know and you lose jobs you know which happens right those old manual labor jobs go away and they move to you know markets that are you know let's say a little bit poorer a little bit worse off you know people are willing to work you know work for less like a third world country and so what happens is is they start to get jobs they start to earn and to save resources and you know and build up a you know build up capital basically and then they can invest that into you know becoming more of a capital intensive economy and as that continues to happen from here to there that's why you know when i was a young kid everything was made in China. Now, I, I mean, now you see tags and made in Nicaragua, Vietnam, made in, you know, all these other countries because eventually China actually became more expensive than some other places. And, it, and it's not because of regulation. <laughs> God knows it's not. I mean, they, you know, they still are, you know, polluting everything. They still don't have, you know, any regulation on labor or child labor, I don't think really, or any of that stuff. You know, some companies maybe uh, take the initiative to ensure that they're operating by, You know, Americans' standards because they don't want to get bad press, but these other countries are taking it because it's more expensive to China because they have a better store of resources now. They have, they've been stealing our technology for, you know, decades now and are able to, you know, create their own innovation off of that. And, but it's because of these ideas that are instilled in America's constitution that we are losing and that are being attacked. And I think that one of the main ones is you know is our grit it's our determination to just get things done and that's something that you know i just hear so many people nowadays that are my age and and i'm guilty of it too like um but we complain about some little things that go wrong or like just inconveniences that like a hundred years ago if you told someone that would be your problem they would laugh at you like if you told like my great great grandpa what my daily issues would be he would laugh because like and and it's because too i mean obviously it was you know there wasn't as much technology obviously as why and you know so but we've just kind of gotten to where we rest on our laurels we forget how easy we have it and how much we really still need to have our nose to the grindstone to be able to you know, laugh at our great grandkids problems, right? That's what I hope is that when I have my kids that they don't have any of the, that they don't have technological problems that I have now, or, you know, daily problems that I have now that those are solved by the market. And then in my great grandkids or my great, great grandkids that they would even, wouldn't even understand what it's like to have some of our problems today. You know, like that would be amazing to me. I think that those are the kind of, you know, advancements that we want for our posterity right I mean that's what we that's what we're here to do that's what part of the American dream is is that if you come here and put your nose to the grindstone your kids your grandkids your great-grandkids can have a better life as long as each one of you keeps doing that and you know when we have like a mild like uh oh I forget oh this just this week like it was a nice day out and everything and the power went out we were going to a restaurant and the power was out in the restaurant and people were complaining and yelling at them about things I'm like First of all, like you're going out to eat at a restaurant, it's, it's the electricity's out. I mean, I think they're, they can light the gas stove. (laughs) I think it'll be okay. They can probably cook most of the things they told us they could. And people were complaining because things took longer because they had to write everything out instead of putting it into the computer. I'm like, well, yeah, that's just something you deal with. I mean, or you could go back a hundred years and have to go walk to the grocery store, you know, pretty much unless you're lucky enough to be able to afford a car. And then once you do that, you come back home, you spend all day cooking dinner, pretty much you have to send your kid, you know, maybe some people probably, a lot of people probably had running water in cities, but if you're not in the city, then you have to take, send your kid out to the well to get water a couple times a day and all these kinds of things that literally like our, my great grandparents, yeah, maybe not great grandparents, probably great, great grandparents had to do, you know, um, unless you, and then honestly, but like people who were probably growing up in the, born in the, teens and 20s probably did have to do if you lived in rural areas and so we forget how far we've come but it's because of that determination and that you know ability to not give up right i don't i think that you know you saw it actually in the 20s really where people were getting really comfortable and then the great depression hit and people had to get back to where they were you know the everyone was partying and living i mean not everyone obviously there's plenty of poverty still but there was this sense in the culture of where, you know, they were kind of resting on their laurels as a culture. That's why, you know, the stock market crashing was kind of just such a shock to people because they just never thought it was going to get worse again. And obviously Franklin Delano Roosevelt didn't help that. Her- Herbert Hoover also didn't help that. Both of them really, you know, made it worse and elongated the Great Depression in a large way. Um, but that, that kind of brought people back. And then that generation that went through that and the people who kind of grew up in that went on to create you know the prosperity of the late 40s and 50s you know and, and, and into the 60s with JFK and you know all of that that was a time I mean there was recessions there was you know but that that grit paid off in that time and then you had the 70s crash and then you know and it was bad for all the 70s really were bad economically it was tough times economically and then you have the 80s kind of roars back through the 90s and 2000s and now we've had such amazing innovation and such crazy success economically and that it's almost hard for us to imagine what it would be like to go have that kind of retraction because even like 2008 was tough and i know a lot of people had financial issues lost their jobs and you know fell on hard times but it that, that impact that we had... I mean, people were still not starving on the street. You know, people weren't starving on the streets because of it. People weren't, you know... I mean, you might lose your health care and lapse, and it cost you and this and, and a lot of problems that suck. But, you know, you're not losing your... You know, you're not able to not treat your kid for, you know, polio because of it or something like that. Like that literally 55 years ago we had to deal with. So I think we need to put things in perspective. And remember what we've what kind of grit determination that we've had and then that I think if you pair that with a little bit of creativity, that's where you get into entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship is something that is completely just completely essential to the American idea of, you know, you come here from anywhere or you're born here at any class. And you can make anything of yourself with determination, like I said, but with you need to be creative, you have to identify a need in the market, you have to identify, you know, value that you can offer people and know that and be able to understand what you offer and be able to explain that to people. And you can do really anything as long as it's something that people will pay for, right? And I think that that's something too that we've lost because people aren't I don't know it's so easy now to be an entrepreneur it's so easy now to you know I I mean my website my web hosting cost me like a hundred bucks maybe 200 bucks a year I think with WordPress I could set this up for free even too and start doing it but I wanted it to you know just be my brand on there but so and then I you know I have an old microphone and I plug it into the computer and I talk for an hour a week or so I mean and so far I haven't earned any money but I love what I'm doing I'm passionate about it and I hope that in the long run as I keep adding value and building the audience that you know eventually I can find ways to make some money off of this and you know work that into something even bigger and better and provide more value and keep growing it into more and more and more that's what I want to do but that mindset's not something that so many people have we so many people have this idea of you know I need to do go to school get my college degree get a good job kind of work my way up in it you know and do better and or you know maybe have a pretty good at least have a pretty good gig maybe earn a little bit more money in the next five years and be able to buy a house and retire pretty comfortably get the 401k with the match and I'll be able to draw off my social security like that's not fulfilling that's not invigorating you know that's not what America is you know here to do and it's good if 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 you if your skill set allows you if that's the highest you're gonna attain with your skill set that's that's good I mean like do that but if your skill set offers you the ability to create and and find a value that you can offer that you know is new and innovative, then I think that's something that we ought to be doing because we have the m- most freedom. Still, I mean, we, we're very heavy heavily regulated now, but we still have the most freedom to make of ourselves and of a business whatever we want anywhere in the world, and. I think that's a beautiful thing that we should be taking advantage of. I mean, it's so easy to start something on the internet to, you know, to just find a, I mean, there's people out there making money just promoting clubs and stuff. If you know enough people to, you know, and are good enough on social media and, you know, all that, you can do that for, you know, a thousand bucks a week, you know, probably you get, you just take a bit, you know, just charge a cover at the door, you get half of it or whatever, and you get, you know, all these people in there, boom, you know, that's awesome. You can, you can find such clever little ways to make money. And, and, it's be, and it's because there's so much wealth to be had right now. I mean, it's insane how much we have. So I think entrepreneurship is integral because also it relies on the individual exercising their liberty and showing that not only can people make bad choices, yes, but people can create beautiful, beautiful, amazing things. When they're given the opportunity to create and to use their individual talents and their liberty to do whatever they want. So long as they don't hurt people and, you know, or defraud them or steal from them. You know, as long as you're doing things that truly add value, you know, you can embody the value and the, the beauty of what individualism can be. And that, I think, is what entrepreneurship offers more than anything that is just so key to what America is supposed to be. And that's really why I started doing this is because I'm, I just saw this as, you know, I, I have a value that I can add with helping people find their voice and offering, you know, the ability, you know, offering my ideas and my thoughts out there to people, hopefully challenging people's beliefs or or making an argument that people hadn't heard. Um, hopefully bringing up new ideas and hopefully along the line as well I I want to be challenged back I want to grow as well that's another part of why I do this is so that people can give me feedback or provide me with new information or new ideas or just enlighten me to new things that I've never thought of or been exposed to I mean that's that would be amazing as well and that's what the conversation of our generation is about is finding that way to get people having a valuable conversation where we all add value to each other's lives right that's what this is supposed to be so definitely if you feel like you have something of value to offer um this is my little break in the thing here where i'm going to just pitch to you text me or not text me uh email me uh at nick or nicholas jamel at gmail.com or find me on my blog or somewhere to write a story write a blog and get your idea out there because i want to see people taking that initiative and being creative and and tapping into that part of them that individual uh perspective you know on and your life experience or your ideas and those things that you know maybe only you know about or only you can you know can see only you've experienced and tap into that and put that out there so that people can really see uh another perspective and another idea or even an old idea in a new way and i think all those things are amazing values that you can add and offer people and that's what I hope this can be for everybody. And and that's why I think entrepreneurship is just so cool. I think it's really the embodiment of the American dream that you can come here, make whatever of yourself and pass that down. You know, you can keep your, your you know, you can move up to the next, you, you can come here as an immigrant, you know, and poor, dirt poor, and then work your way into the middle class and be able to give your kids that better chance and your kid can go on to be, you know, a doctor because you can afford med school for him and scrap by and get it barely or take on the student loans to, you know, and you can afford to do help pay that and cover that. And, and then your kid can go on and he's, he or she's able to be successful even more so than you. But it's because of that entrepreneurial spirit that, you know, I mean, there's so many people, you know, I've heard stories of like, you know, the Chinese restaurants, when people come here from China and they start a Chinese restaurant and they basically like, you know, sleep in the back half the time, or they're, you know, they're there. They work there every day, and they bust their butt. And because they can provide, you know, that kind of authentic food, that restaurant, you know, they know how to manage the business and do that. And then, you know, their kids are able to go on. We have a, you know, our lady who, my mom's lady that like does her uh, alterations. She's like from Vietnam. She was raised by nuns as like an orphan in Vietnam. She came here and her kids were able to attend one of the nicer, more expensive Catholic schools in the city. Um, and went on to do, I mean great like, things and be, you know really just your normal American person. But like she, I mean, lived through the Vietnam War, escaped Vietnam. And, and so like, just the radically different experience she was able to give her children by coming to America. And becoming an entrepreneur and having that determination that that is the ideal that we're trying to offer people and our government is getting in the way of that as it expands and grows and makes it harder and you know like it, it's even made you know it's made it so hard to immigrate here that people come here illegally now i mean like that was never a problem until we made it hard to immigrate here and then once they're here legally illegally they're not able to assimilate into the culture and to take part in that so They kind of feel left, or they kind of become left out in a way. And then you have um, just a trickle down effect of people who aren't able to assimilate generation after generation. And that's, to me, that's wrong. You're supposed to be able, it's supposed to be easy to come here, to become a citizen, and to make whatever you want of yourself. That's what it's supposed to be. And we're getting in the way of that. And that is why I think. this this rediscovering Americanism if you haven't listened to the book it's really interesting it's a fantastic read and I definitely recommend uh, people go check it out and listen to it Um, and I now I really want to talk about the uh, solutions to a couple problems that I see that are immediate that we can take in the um, in our personal lives just simple things that we can do and I I want to talk about those so because I, I want to talk about the solutions because I don't think we are going to find uh, Solutions to our problems in government. I think we've kind of learned that <clears throat> Over the last hundred years that really all the solutions we've been given have been provided by the free market by individuals by entrepreneurs by just sheer determination to overcome these obstacles and I think that some of the pressing problems right now that we have is uh, a huge centralization of power With the government and with large corporations that really Utilize the government to stifle competition um And and we also have an issue right now where you know the thing that's supposed to be the freest thing on the planet the internet is Becoming hard to navigate for a lot of people who have You know a voice that disagrees with most of the gatekeepers within the internet for the major platforms and so I think that, first of all, the centralization of power uh, into large corporations and into, you know, um, because of government is one thing that, you know, I think it's tough to solve. I think that as long as we have uh, a Senate that is elected democratically in the National Congress, it'll be really tough. I think if you can repeal that and push for term limits... Um, those two things together would make it a lot easier to elect honest people, um, or somewhat principled people. At least I think you'd find a lot less of a, you know, 40 year cushy gig of getting bought off by special interest groups and a little bit more of people like Austin Peterson, Thomas Massey, you know, who are good, you know, Liberty loving guys who, you know, really are there to fight for. Liberty and the rights of individuals. Um, and the ability of, you know, for individuals to experience, you know, what it is that makes us American. And I think they want to offer that. I think there's very few people who do because right now our system is set up in the wrong way. And as far as like large centralization of companies, I don't mind that as long as it happens, um, naturally, right? Like for instance, uh, Amazon, the reason why they're so big or why Walmart was so big was because they invested heavily into the infrastructure that allowed them to be you know, such a low-cost cro- low producer. They, they have the best deal on the market. They provide the most value for the lowest price on the market. And so that's a good thing for us that they're that big because if you split them up into smaller companies, you would actually see a price increase despite the fact that there is more competition, I would think, because it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to beat Amazon's price if you split it into fourths, right? So, or if you even, you know, uh, who was it who, uh, they did it. It was, uh, Rockefeller's company. They split into two and they're like, one's Exxon Mobil, And I forget the other one right now. I can't think of the other one, but it's basically the other, another major gas company. Like you, you, it's like, They split his empire into, like, the two biggest American oil companies. And so, you know, it's like when you split up something that's kind of considered a monopoly, you know, you may not get the result that you want. Um, It didn't really, it just didn't help because they just went out and bought other oil fields and, you know, did what they were going to do in other places. And so that to me is, you know, not an issue in and of itself, but you have to watch out for things like right now, you know, recently there was hotels that pass, when they pass extra regulations, all that does is hurt people like Airbnb or people who are trying to make a bed and breakfast and make a little bit of a niche for themselves in the world. Or when car companies allow for new miles per gallon regulation, like if they can't, you know, adjust their cars to meet it, then they can pay the fine and afford to do that. But a new car company that has an innovative idea can't, you know. And so overregulation is is often, often favors large, not often, almost always favors large companies because they're the ones who have the financial capital to comply and really in the long run, in the long run for them, they see better economic profits. They, and, and they actually see economic profits because if competition came in, they would no longer see the kind of profit that they would, which is basically like returns that are above, you know, the, um, uh, where you could, what you could invest in like a money market fund and see returns on, you know, they can create profit margins that are above that or profits that are above exceed that return. So, and that's something that's really rare in, you know, mature industries like the car industry, but they're able to kind of make that happen because they don't have the kind of competition that a free market should have. And therefore that means that we don't get the best product and services because as consumers for our dollar because they are able to regulate and or allow for regulations to come in that make their service worse but maintain their profits and lower competition and that's wrong uh, that's you know a betrayal of the free market and free market principles and government allows that to happen in fact government facilitates that process and that's the issue as well is that both these things are government so big that we almost have like a <clears throat> uh, almost like a like what they kind of call like neo-fascism where instead of it being the government organizing companies and you know making companies part of the public sector it's companies kind of you know seeing that government's gotten so big that they can utilize it to squash competition and you know so but you know a company like Amazon is just kicking butt they're just providing amazing value you know companies like you know your gas company and those guys they kind of it sucks sometimes paying your gas or your electric bill but at the same time it is a product that generally creates a natural or or even like cable services they create natural monopolies because they have so much upfront capital investment to do any of those things that it's tough for them to expand and it's tough for competition to occur because there's so little really it's such a cheap service for how much infrastructure has to go in to begin with um so if you think about how much you know you pay for your natural gas it's really not bad (laughs) honest I mean it sucks to pay the gas bill each month but for the fact that someone had to go in beforehand and lay pipes throughout you know however many however much of the city and build this plant and get all this stuff extracted out of the ground and you're paying, you know, 20 bucks a month for that 30, 40, 50 bucks a month for that. And, you know, depending on the size of your house, how much you use, you know, I mean, that's really not an absurd thing for such a, you know, nice commodity to have in your house. And <clears throat> so those kinds of things, you have to have that balance. But I think the real thing that we have an issue with right now that is really puzzling conservatives is how to deal with Google And with Facebook and Twitter and all these tech companies that obviously are against the conservative or libertarian mindset. I mean, you have people who are like anarchists who agree with people like, you know, like atheist anarchists who agree with like Dennis Prager, a religious Jewish conservative. And, you know, and like all that whole right wing scale, you know, anything that's literally not like crazy leftism. Um, is being punished right now on these social media sites and in these tech sites. And and I think that that's uh, an issue that needs to be addressed, but it needs to be addressed not through the court of law. It needs to be addressed by free market principles. And what I mean by that is we need creative people out there, you know, building things like Minds and like Steemit and improving upon them and making them better so that they can really compete and can be a real platform for these guys to move. And then these guys, you know, the people who are voices, like the Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowder, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure Vin would love to get onto another one of these, you know, Jack Spierko, uh Jason Stable, I mean, I'm just naming, like, I mean, like, just people off the top of my head, um, that I listen to, but all these conservative voices, uh, I mean, just imagine if Joe Rogan, you know, went over to that side, Alex Jones got off YouTube, like, if these guys, if these, like, if there was, like, 10 to 20 conservatives and a few, all these gun channels, that got off YouTube and went to these other sites, they would blow up. And then, you know, I wouldn't mind because I have a little bit of steam from what I've earned, not much, but if it blew up and, you know, like Bitcoin did, you know, then I'd be all right. (laughs) But, um, but no, it would, it would be, it would improve these platforms, give them uh purpose and it would create value with those, with like something like steam that has steam it. And one that, I think you can really make an easy opt out if you you know that doesn't really hurt you at all is to use the brave browser and I got a link in my uh, show notes today I put it as like part of the wording and then if that hyperlink doesn't work uh, go below I put it again I put it twice and if you want to if you're using Google Chrome right now then download this brave browser and use it for 30 days it'll give it gives me five basic attention tokens which is like honestly like a dollar fifty um right now I think I think I forget how much it, it, a basic attention but it's like a fraction of it'd be it'd be nothing It's just a couple bucks but download that and use it because what you take away from Google now and stop if we stop using their platforms as much as possible every time we can you know cutting cable cuts out the mainstream media cutting you know your ties to Google and to Google Chrome is going to undermine Google's ability to make money, you know, going to DTube instead of YouTube is going to undermine Google's ability to make money, going to Steam instead of Twitter or Facebook is going to undermine their ability, and, and all these things are going to, if you start moving a little bit that way, you know, I mean, right now, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, I have to be, you know, but um, to get more fans, that's what I have to do, but Like, if I could get to the point where I'm big enough that I could move away from that or my monetization doesn't rely on those guys, I would gladly do it. I would gladly get off those platforms and go to somewhere else where, you know, open and honest discussion is valued and people aren't silenced because that's what I'm here to do is create the conversation, right? And so one of the things that you can do that is painless is just go to that link, download it via my uh, affiliate link, and they're not paying me – I mean, well, I guess they are paying me to do this, but they didn't like – this isn't like – I'm gonna be honest with you guys and upfront they didn't promote this to me or anything it's just a thing that's on their website you know anyone who downloads it becomes a, a website that's registered through them and gets one of these basically so it's nothing that's special to me they're not backing me you know they haven't asked me to do this but I'm offering this out there because I think this is a way that and also I will say here I want to tell you why it's a good browser it blocks a lot of ads pop-ups and all those things that block cookies if you wanted to like it makes you much more anonymous as you surf the web so i mean i don't think you're going to be completely anonymous i think it's tough i think that websites that want to you know if you go to a website purposefully then i think they can still uh advertise to you and stuff or if they have advertising that's native into the website that's different but like you're not getting bombarded it's a lot it's, it moves a lot faster actually because you don't have a lot of random crap tracking you and cooking you and all that stuff as much so that's nice um and i think it. i mean i just think it's a better browser i feel better being on there and using it and searching on it than going through other uh avenues and i mean like i still have a gmail account man i'm not gonna lie uh i'm not 100 percent out of the woods on this but i mean there's really not a better alternative than google a lot of times but the brave browser is better than google chrome in my opinion and that's why i'm putting it out there i want people to use it because it's cool um it's a great little community as well so what it does is is basically instead of advertising to you all the time and constant 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 what it does is it allows you to opt in and basically allow advertisers to certain ones to advertise to you or to promote to you or you can donate to certain websites that you like so that they can promote out to other people with the basic attention token, you can buy spots on there with that. And so I see this as a way that I can use the basic attention token then to kind of get my website out there and promote it more and bring more people into the conversation of our generation. But I think if you see people moving in the direction, you start taking steps and seeing that like, oh, hey, this is another browser that's an alternative solution. What else, you know, people out there who listen to me who know how to code and do tech, Like, what kind of alternative solution can you make? And that's what I'm going to start working on is finding just solutions to these things and alternatives so that we have options. Because right now, I mean, Facebook and Twitter are the only two things that really do what those things do as well as that. I mean, like, no one does Facebook in, like, social media the way Facebook does that format better than them. No one does, you know, that short, you know, sweet, like, Twitter sort of like 280 characters, memory thing, you know, better than them. You know, a lot of websites have started to kind of copy it, but no one does it as well. I mean, Mines is closer to Twitter. I would say Steam is closer to Facebook, maybe. Um, but both of them kind of allow all sorts of different formats, but they don't look as good as Facebook. It's not as usable as Facebook and Twitter, you know. So, because they're in their betas, um, they're pretty early on. And so it's not ideal, but, um, it's definitely going to get better. And I think you're definitely going to see better alternatives coming out as well. I don't think that this is the end of social media. I don't think, you know, I think with all the stuff that's going on with Facebook and with Twitter, that people are going to want to have alternatives. So I think it'd be good to start seeing them pop up. Um, another one that you can use is cointext. If you have cryptocurrency, you know, and you want to, you know, evangelize people bring people into the bitcoin cash community it's uh you know i tweeted out that i was gonna send uh my buddy bitcoin cash you know a couple bucks of bitcoin cash for you know uh tax day you know in defiance of theft i'm sorry i say tax day i meant theft day um and you know so those are kind of little things i sent it to my dad i'm gonna download i need to still download the jack's wallet on his phone so he can You know the five bucks that i sent him he can switch it over into there and you know he knows how to use his jack's wallet then that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to bring people into this um alternative gray market this you know the i mean we need to bring people into the world of agorism where it's just person to person honest real free markets you know and that we have true freedom we're exercising our full liberty and utilizing that to create new and amazing things that's how we are going to uh, really improve and move forward within this system that we have right now. And so if anybody out there is, you know, looking for something to do, I think those are the kind of alternatives that you can look to move towards if you're just a user. If you're a creative person and you know how to, you know, do that, then get out and be creative. If you're someone who wants to write and get put your ideas out there and you don't know how to, you know, Get in touch with me anyway, Facebook Messenger, you know, Twitter, direct message, I don't care, you know, just get in touch with me and start putting your ideas out there. I'd love to have more blogs of different people and I can credit you if you want or just say it's a random, you know, anonymous guest blogger if you don't want your name out there, I understand, whatever it is, but I think these things are important to really take part in because I think there's a lot of people, you know, it's so hard and it's to... Have a voice that isn't part of the PC, you know, kind of hard left voice and be not chastised and ashamed and shamed for what you believe. And I think the more that we <clears throat> uh, find solutions and, you know, embolden ourselves to just speak our minds and be honest with ourselves and with our people around us and put our ideas forward, I think you're going to find that there's a lot more. Uh, there's there are a lot more people out there who agree with you and or who, who who tolerate your idea, and I think that's important to have. So for any of you out there who do want to start finding these solutions, you know I'm all on board. If you have any that I haven't mentioned or that you that you know about, um definitely let me know. You know hit me up on Twitter, Facebook. You know I'm at Conover gin on Twitter. Find me on Minds. If you're already on there though, you probably are knowing. You probably do know about a lot of these. Um, you know, obviously Steam it. Same thing at Jamel um, and facebookcom slash generation, or comment below on this so other people can see it. Or um, <clears throat> sorry, on the blog post. Just like on the in the show notes. Go to like the regular link on conversationofourgeneration.com. My podcasts are always put up there. Find it and comment below um, with ideas or solutions that you have um and we can really work on putting out more ideas and more possibilities and seeing what really works and what's what can be adopted by the you know and be the new what can be the new facebook for that's really free and open and not you know you know just you know pushing an ideology right or even if it or maybe one that i don't care if one pushes you know An ideology that I'm more in line with that's fine as well just have you know something but I'd rather not have that you know my own you know kind of right side of the aisle libertarian bubble Um, I'd rather have an actual open honest ability to have good conversations with people who I with whom I disagree you know I'm right now I'm trying to talk to one of my friends on Facebook Messenger that is you know pretty hard left and I want him to write for the blog and put his ideas out there so that we can have actually a real range. Because right now it's just me. And um, one of my other friends who's libertarian as well kind of hit me up and was like, Hey, I like what you're doing. seen it. And he's like, you should get in touch with this person. I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. I didn't think about that. And so, but yeah, I mean, for anyone out there who disagrees with me, you are 100% welcome. I just want to reiterate to, you know, get in here and put forth your solutions that you have. If you think the answer is more government, come tell us why. I don't, You know, I, I disagree with you, but... I'd be glad to hear you out or put out your idea as well. I think everybody has to have, you know, an honest open um, idea, but I mean, I'm not gonna write personally, put forth ideas, you know, write them out and put them on my blog that I disagree with. I I will allow other people's to be on there, but I'm not gonna write them myself, right? And um, because I I don't believe in putting my creative and imaginative and, you know, efforts towards something that I disagree with or that I can't that I don't believe in. So, but for those of you who do, I what I do believe in is having a free and open conversation. So, that's uh I think that's it for today's show. I really hope it was a good one for you guys and I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that if you like what I'm doing, you can support the show with just that Brave browser link, just click there and download it. If you want to help out other ways, I mean, we have a Patreon page up now. I will be doing uh, exclusive content and be writing some extra stuff for it only here soon. Um, I will be, you know, you can, if you just want to, I mean, I have my cryptocurrency wallets up and on my page, you can just do that, you know, send me a little crypto if you want to help boost this a little bit and, you know, be able to, you know, maybe buy some more basic attention token and get my name out there that way or, you know, evangelize more people into the Bitcoin cash community, whatever it is. Um, but I want to spread this, uh, message of free and open conversation. And I want people to be having real honest dialogue that dives below, you know, that surface level that, you know, those partisan talking points and really try to understand what the other person's saying, what, you know, try to defend your position in a, in a real honest and thought, you know, way that's been thought through, you know, hard and that you really focused on driving yourself into um knowing what you believe and why you believe it, and all the way down to the point of the first principle so you can explain your ideas. And I think that that's really important. and I want to have those kinds of discussions and hopefully maybe do some more interviews here. So if you want to help facilitate that, help me out and support me and um, as we go forward, I hope that I can continue to create amazing content for you guys and that you enjoy what I've been doing so far. If you want better stuff or different stuff, you know, comment you know below and let me know if you like what I'm doing, like it, share it. And tell people to come listen because I really want this to grow and to be more and to get more people blogging on my blog. So with all that, that I'm going to wrap it up here with the ninth episode of the Conversation for Our Generation. My name is Nick Jamel and I'll see you next week, guys. Have a good week.